Hello, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the college football playoff controversy. We'll be talking about the NFL. We will have Jack's pack. We'll touch on the NBA. And we will have our Jack's hot take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Samsung, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow and turn on our post notifications for Justin Time Sports social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, I said Twitter twice, uh, or wherever your favorite social media are. You will see the social media handle at JTime Sports for all your breaking news and updates. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. episode 36 of season four of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your owner, host, and proprietor, Justin Jackson. Um, and one of the only places to correctly predict the college football playoff before it came out. Um, if you need help, go to my timeline on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook. I believe I did it on threads as well. We're pretty much the only show to call the decision as it happened, before it happened, and was pretty much the only people not shot. Um, and so, let's just back it up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which if you don't know about not even living under a rock, Florida State was bumped out of the college football playoff. They were number three going into the weekend, undefeated. They're looking to be the undefeated conference champion. That is an automatic bid. Um, or what was thought to be, rather, an automatic bid into the playoff. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No questions asked. You're like 13, 13-0 conference power five champion. You're in the playoff. Um, there was another team in history, UCF, of course, claims a national title um, in the year. They went undefeated as well. They went 13-0 through the American Conference, and then they went and won their bowl game. They beat uh, somebody in the Fiesta Bowl. Now, in the next year's playoff in the 12 team, UCF would have gotten in because UCF was ranked like number eight or nine, and they were easily the highest ranked group of five champion. They would have gotten in, um, and then they would have had a chance on the field to play it. And that team had a few. They got Sha- 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 Shaquem Griffin, the one with the guy with the one hand, who was on that team. Um, it was a couple of other NFL players, uh, people that went to NFL rosters on that team. So it wasn't an awful team. It wasn't like a out-of-nowhere team. That team was pretty good. Um, but they would have had a chance in next year's playoff in a 12-team playoff to prove it because they would have been easily the highest group of five champions. However, they didn't make the playoff. They ended up going to win the Fiesta Bowl. They claimed that title, whatever. So anyway, Florida State would be the, is you know, undefeated. Power 5 Conference Champion, ACC. And I see I don't have a timestamp on Facebook. I may have to look on Twitter. 
I'm a little more active on Twitter. Twitter, I have my timestamps. So, um, during the conference championship games, I began tweeting. Okay. Um, I began tweeting. So the first tweet, on Twitter, hey, the first tweet I sent out is all Central Time. Was December second, four fifty-eight. I tweeted. Uh, it's kind of a long about read it. And I quote, the college football playoff committee is nearing an almost impossible decision if the SEC championship game score of 17 and 7 and a half time holds. And I put a little, you know, dash. Washington's undefeated there. Michigan's currently undefeated. They would be in. Florida State is currently undefeated. They would be in. And I put in parentheses, in theory. What do you do with the fourth spot of Alabama wins? Bama's a one-loss SEC champion. Georgia has one loss in three years. Texas is a one-loss Big 12 champion. Ohio State has one loss total. That's to Michigan. That's the undefeated Big 10 champion. That's four deserving teams for one spot, Drama City. Okay. Now, that tweet was sent at 4.58 local time. This is simple time. At 6.26, about an hour and a half later, I tweet the beginning of the drama has started. For the first time in nearly three seasons, Georgia has lost 27-24 to Alabama to win the SEC Championship game and throw their name fully into the Coswell playoff discussion. Okay, so by this point, I'm thinking, Bama's in. But in the back of my brain, I keep saying to myself, they're going to move Florida State out. Because there's two precedents that were fighting each other. There's never been a zero-loss conference champion to not make it. But the SEC has also never not made it. The SEC is going to ESPN next year in the new expanded conference. Texas and Oklahoma's coming in. The SEC's leaving CBS and going to ESPN full-time. The SEC's never made it. The college playoff isn't ESPN production. Okay, that wasn't on the ESPN part wasn't on the floor for my brain, but I knew and I had read that the committee had the right to factor in the loss of a key player in the decision making. Jordan Travis is probably the fourth person in New York. Of course, there's Jaden Daniels, there's Michael Penix, there's Marvin Harrison Jr., and there's Bo Nix. Marvin Harrison Jr. probably doesn't make it. Jordan Travis is probably in New York. He doesn't win it. Jaden Dan is going to win the Heisman. But Jordan D- Travis is a Heisman finalist if he never gets hurt. That's about as key of a player as it can be. Right? So that was 628. I sent out the... Uh, 628, I sent out the tweet about Bamron Wentz. About three hours later, about three and a half hours later, I tweet about Michigan. It's one quarter away on the Cosmo playoff, and Florida State is nursing a 10-3 lead into the fourth quarter against Louisville. And I quote from me, there was a growing concern that Florida State needed style points to make the playoff. Currently, their style points are zero. Okay. An hour later at 10.45. So last week you had was 9.48. This one's at 10.45. Again, all local central time. It is, and I quote again, Michigan wins 26-0 in the domination of Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, and Florida State defeats Louisville 16-6 in the AC Championship, confirming the ultimate chaos for the 14th playoff. 
the unquestionable teams are Washington and Michigan, right? That leaves Florida State, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia for the last two spots. Voters are not going to have fun with this decision in the slightest. My top four is Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. They will make matchups of Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas. Right? That sparked some stuff on Facebook. Um, not really as much, you know, but that sparked some dialogue on Facebook. People said, I know I was talking about. Um, I got asked if I watched sports. That was, that was interesting. Um, it, it created some discord on uh, Facebook, for sure. Uh, created some discord on social media in general. Um, it was, you know, as 127 comments on it. A lot of reactions on it. Some laughs at it. Um, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it was... It was pretty, pretty uh, interesting what people had to say. Um, you know, SC didn't deserve a spot. People wanting Georgia to stay in somehow. Um, people said Michigan should buy it completely, but some weird stuff. But anyway, there was discourse regarding my uh, regarding my use and regarding my playoff um, and people were wondering why did I come to this and I'm gonna actually keep going through discourse so then a little while later um, actually the following morning AP poll comes out Texas jumps to Florida Florida State Texas is third but Florida State holds on the fourth then the old BCS system does a poll Florida State and I'm talking about Barely is fourth over Alabama. I mean, like less than a point, less than a half a point. They're in front with the old BCS, and I'm thinking, all right, that was the problem with the BCS. The computers would make it close enough where the humans could mess it up, quote unquote. That was the issue with the BCS. The human, the computer would get it close enough where the humans could mess it up. Okay, and then. One hour after the AP, one hour after I tweeted about the AP poll, bam, it comes out. Possible playoff is set. Michigan versus Alabama. Washington versus Texas. Florida State becomes the first undefeated Power 5 conference champion to not make the Coswell playoff as they finish fifth. Heartbreak. Rejoice in the SEC as they get their champion in. Um, this led to 30 minutes later, the ACC commissioner putting out a statement. Uh, calling it unfathomable that a conference pop five conference champions left out of the playoff. Um, their exclusions called into question the entire process. If the committee's guidelines were followed, yada yada yada, whatever. Jordan Travis, who's the reason why this is happening, uh, tweeted out his saying it's devastated, heartbroken, and so much so much disbelief. He wished he had broke his leg earlier so you could see the team was much more than a quarterback. Um, he apologized to the fans. Okay. So, how do we got through the timeline? Of how I was right, um, and that's the whole reason why. But I kind of wanted to see how like fast stuff was happening. And that's the reason I wanted to highlight the timeline. Florida State season was over the minute Jordan Travis broke his leg. That was it. And it's not a situation where oh man, Florida State's is high powered offense. They're blowing people out left and right. Whatever. If that was the case, if they were a team 
that was punching people in the face over and over and over again, you get no complaint out of me. Yeah, I don't bring it up. But they weren't. And I put something else on Facebook, I guess I didn't put it on Twitter, that when Florida State was, it was embroiled in their battle and they were trying to hold on or whatever, um, Oh no, I put it in a sports debate group. I didn't put it on my social just sports. I put it in a sports debate group. And I said that Florida State, when Jordan Travis got hurt, was no longer playing. And I'm gonna say this in general. I didn't put it in a sports debate group. I'm gonna say this to I'm gonna say this to y'all. The minute Jordan Travis got hurt, Florida State was no longer playing their opponent. They weren't. They were not. And matter of fact, they were playing the ghost of what they used to be. They were playing something they probably had no chance of beating, which was the mental expectations of what the committee thought they should be. It was they were playing expectations, they were playing the ghost of what they should be, and they were playing something far worse or far more sinister. They were playing doubt. Because now there's a reason to not put them in. And the AC commissioner put out the statement about following the committee's guidelines. Factoring in the loss of a key player is in the committee's guidelines. To me, the four best teams in the country that I've seen and I've watched all the top teams is the four that's in. Um, now, you can make an argument for Georgia. I, I probably reordered them a little bit. Just from what I've seen, Michigan's the best team in the country. Um, then Texas over Alabama because Texas beat them. And then Georgia were actually my fourth best team um, that I've seen. Again, personally, I've watched them all. And Georgia just barely, because I think if Georgia doesn't have an injury to Brock Bowers and um, the other, the receiver, number 84, I think is his number. I think Georgia beats Bama. And Florida State's still out, but they're out for Texas. Um, Texas is fourth. I think it would be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Texas. Um, I think that would be the situation. But regardless, um, I think an SEC champion deserves to be in. It's ironic. And I'm gonna I'm gonna couple more points on this, on this topic. It's 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 ironic, the fact that the ACC got screwed. It's ironic because there's this thing, or correction, there used to be this thing called the alliance, um, and it was the agreement for a few. Well, specifically, there was an agreement for the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 to come together and form what they call the Alliance. What this alliance was built and designed to do was to help in college football playoff voting. It was to help each other in scheduling and pretty much over the big bad SEC. The SEC gets whatever they want all the time. You know, it just means more than all this other stuff. We're going to come together and we're going to fight back against the SEC. Effectively. Because the Big 12 is not in the alliance. The Pac-12 was struggling and everybody kind of knew it. The Big 10 was probably going to bolster the Pac-12 and the ACC got no respect for the most part. But everybody feared the big bad SEC. The alliance ends up being the reason why there's not a 12-team playoff this season. Is there a 12-team playoff this season? None of this matters. Florida State 
possibly falls? Probably not. There's no reason to make them fall. Well, the buys. Because in the 12th team playoff, the top four have buys. So in that case, being third or fifth matters. Because instead of having to play a first-round game against the Liberty, um, more than likely, because Tulane lost. So, yeah, against the Liberty, because um, they got the Fiesta Bowl bid, you would be resting that week. So, mm, potato, potato, in terms of, you know, preference and what it means. But regardless, you'd be in. Now, you could complain about the bye, but you'd be in the tournament. Well, the Alliance came together and said, no, the 12 team playoff, the earliest it can be activated for the 2024-2025 season. Next year. So, all season, when the playoff ranking would come out, people would do hypothetical, if it was the 12 team playoff, this high would look and then the ACC got screwed. Allegedly screwed. I think it's the right decision for a variety of reasons. I think it's the right decision because the four best teams in the country got in. I mean, you could debate Georgia, Alabama, but or you could debate Georgia, Washington, but the four best teams in the country, as proven on the field, got in in their current state. Okay. There's reportedly a $150 million difference between Alabama getting in and Florida State. There's reported a $150 million difference. I said this to friends. I said this to coworkers. This is a business and a TV show at the end of the day. This is a football game. There's college pride on the line. There's millions of dollars on the line as far as incentives. There's probably NIL deals, all kind of stuff on the line. The committee at the end of the day <laughs> had to prove a TV product. They mentally went there's three unquestionable teams. What is the problem with Florida State? They don't have a quarterback. As we've seen in their last three games without Jordan Travis, their offense is a joke. They're going to get railroaded by anybody they played. Washington would hit them for Washington would shut them down. Michigan would shut them down. Texas would shut them down. They can't score. So Florida State's great defense aside, they'd lose twenty to three in a snooze fest. You know what I'm saying? And the ratings would be terrible. There's PTSD of TCU. There's PTSD of Oklahoma. You know, there's PTSD of teams that we all kind of knew wasn't that good and ran into a juggernaut and the game was a disaster. Oklahoma playing Alabama that year in the national title game. Like, there's certain things we kind of knew. The committee had a chance and a legitimate case to stop it. So they did. I mean, it's just plain and simple as that. Um, and then another thing is, it's karma. Because you pretty much were going to make an alliance to keep the SEC down only for the Pac-12 to die and the SEC to get in and you're out. So in the last year of the Pac-12, they have Washington in. In the new SEC, they have two of the members in, Texas and Alabama. The new Big Ten has two members, Washington and Oregon. The ACC gets kicked out of there. The Pac-12 in this last year gets a representative. Like, everybody seemed to have one here besides the ACC, which, again, is horribly ironic because they tried to make an alliance to screw the SEC to begin with. Kind of deserve this, Florida State. 
Let's gonna be honest. The committee needed a reason to not put Florida State in. They had to play against, they were playing style points game at that point. Long about wins and losses by style points. They never had the style points. They don't have the playoff spot. It's just that simple. But up next, we're gonna shift to the NFL week 13. friends all around the world, all of my fans all around the world. I have missed all of you. Um, last week wasn't feeling too great. Um, just, you know, just wasn't in it. Uh, on a personal note, and just couldn't deliver the best product to you guys. And so I took a step back, took a week off. Um, stayed busy on the socials, of course, but just took a week off uh, for the uh, from the podcast. And for the first time in a couple of weeks, I get to talk about NBA. Nah, sorry. Oof. I was sorry, just reading stuff about the NCAA tournament, which has been a blast. I get to discuss the NFL. Um, so last week, I had some big games going on. The biggest one, of course, being Niners versus Philly. Uh, the Niners absolutely destroyed the Eagles. That was the kind of game where you look back and go, two different class of great teams. It's almost like the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good. Like, there are certain people I'm never going to forget play football. Like, I'll probably never forget Reggie Bush. I'll probably never forget Phillip Rivers. I'll probably never forget, um, that's pretty much it. But like, in terms of what kind of player I'm thinking of, I'll never forget those two gentlemen. If they get anywhere near my Hall of Fame, I'm going to scream. Right? And so it's the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good, the Hall of Memorable. In the regular season, there's the Super Bowl contenders, and then there's really good playoff teams, right? And oftentimes, it's hard to tell the difference until you see them side by side. For instance, Crisis 300 looks like a phantom. In the words of Cat Williams, until a phantom pull up. That beautiful woman in your town looks like she could be Miss America. Until Miss America walks up. You see what I'm saying? Like, the Eagles looked like a contender. Until a contender pulled up. San Fran took that game personally. They had to hear all offseason how great the Eagles were. The Eagles, in their credit, tried to fight back and say, no, the end of the championship game wasn't a fluke. Um, you know, they, they won an issue. Whatever. You know, eh. Try to do their best to validate what we all knew wasn't the truth. They tried to validate the fact that they won that game. And even though Brock Purdy blew his elbow out, they had another quarterback injury. At one point, Christian McCaffrey was playing quarterback. And at one point, where they bust their right elbow, Brock Purdy was handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. Um, and the Eagles, you know, won the game and talked their noise, whatever. And you could tell the 49ers took that personally. They physically dominated the Philadelphia Eagles from the time the ball was kicked off to the time the game ended. 
Um, it was just a punishment. It was like retribution of the highest order. It felt like if I had the Eagles owed them money and they came to collect it, it was just brutal. Um, schematically, it was a mismatch. Uh, Purdy hitting all those all pulls all over the place. Debo, Juwan Jennings making great uh, plays, especially runs after the catch. The defense was suffocating. It felt like Jalen Hurts couldn't find an open target all night. I mean, it was it was rough uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was one of those games where it's like, man, do they even like belong on the same field as the Niners? Like, it was. If you're an Eagles fan, that had to hurt to watch. It, it, that had to be shell shocking if you were an Eagles fan, um, because it's just one of those moments where it's like, my God, like we're not even close. Like we're not even in the area of close. Um, we thought we were somewhere. We we're just not there. It's one. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I. I'm a really tall person until a giant walks up. It's like, it's just, it was brutal, man. And it, from a schematic standpoint, it was laughably different. Um, from a physicality standpoint, I mean, it's short yard situation. Niners are running the ball left because Trent Williams is over there. He's on the ball hood in front of him. And they did it on repeat. Um, they were throwing the Eagles off. It was just, it was two different classes of teams. Uh, shout out to the 49ers for just being different uh, and dominating that game. And the Eagles have to go regroup. You know, they, they immediately signed Shaquille Leonard. Um, so they're going to need all the help they can get to try and beat that 49er football team. The Green Bay Packers stunned the Chiefs um, in a game where the offense for the Chiefs looked more disjointed than normal. The Green Bay Packers took advantage of early momentum, and they stunned the Chiefs. Uh, Simone Biles, his husband, takes down Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs did not deserve to win that game. Uh, they played sloppy. They were undisciplined. They looked like they didn't know what they wanted to do or could do. They didn't deserve to win that game, and they still almost won it. Um, so that tells you how good the Chiefs are as, as a team. Um, but the Packers were a huge win. That's the kind of win in Jordan Love's debut starting season that instills confidence throughout the offseason. That even if he looks a little rough towards down the stretch and, you know, mini camp isn't great, you kind of point back to that Chiefs game and go, that's what he could be. And you kind of hinge on that um, for as long as you can. Um Great win by the Packers. Um, that's a that's a Matt Lafleur defining win. You're at home, you know it's Monday Night Football or Sunday Night. It's, it's prime time game. The whole country Monday Night Football. The whole country's watching. Um, it's a game where you're trying to, you know, defeat. I think it's Sunday Night Football. Whatever. Uh, but it's a game where you're trying to defeat one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, you're going in with your young gun or you're 50-50 on yourself and you go in there and you come to your building and you beat them um, and congratulations to the Packers, they had Lil Wayne Sunday night, they had Lil Wayne doing the intros um, and he's a big Packer fan, he's from New Orleans they had Lil Wayne doing the intros they had everything raring to go, they were giving out goat hats to Simone Biles 
everything was raring to go for that night. Um, and then the Packers beat them. And uh, Jordan Love outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And that defense of that Chiefs that was so highly uh, touted was outplayed by the Packers defense. In every aspect of the game, the Packers were the better football team. They deserved to win it, uh, which is, again, a little shell-shocking to the Chiefs if you're in a position that they're in. Uh, they're trying to look to continue a dynasty, and they're taking L's like that. So if you're the Chiefs, that's definitely a little shell-shocking, but I'm sure they're going to go back in and try and regroup. The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals, the Jake Browning-less Cincinnati Bengals, defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that could have major ramifications in the AFC uh, on a multitude of fronts. So first, Jake Browning with all-time um, production and efficiency in his night. Um, kudos to him. And then, of course, the Jaguars had a couple injuries. Christian Kirk's basically out for the year with core muscle surgery. Trevor Lawrence has an ankle sprain. He's going to try to play on this week. If he doesn't play on this week, more than likely he'll play on it next week. Um, but the Bengals, like I said, without Joe Burrow, riding the back of Joe Mixon, get a huge win. Um, it brings Jacksonville to only with away one game away uh, in the AFC South with Indianapolis and Houston, just one game back of Jacksonville for the AFC South. Uh, it pretty much takes Jacksonville out of the number one uh, seed contention and also keeps the Bengals in playoff contention. Uh, many people thought, myself included, when Joe Burrow went down, that was pretty much the it. That was pretty much the end of football in Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals have said, not not so fast, my friend, and they're going to continue to try and push in power behind Jake Browning. Like I say, he just came off an all-time production and efficiency day. So kudos to the Bengals. Uh, shout out Kyler Murray for saving his job. Kyler Murray is playing this season to save his job. Kyler Murray is playing this season in an effort to make sure that the Cardinals go into the offseason going, we have our franchise quarterback. Let's try and get things to help him. Because uh, right now he's in a perfect spot. Right now, third overall pick and playing well, he's in a great spot because you can't get Caleb Williams and you probably won't get Drake May. So then that means you've got Jay Daniels or Kyler Murray. You probably go to Kyler Murray. He's already in your system and in your building. You can use that third pick on Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, so that is the benefit Kyler Murray's doing right now. He may, he may be playing his way into Marvin Harrison Jr., which would be absolutely amazing for him and his development. That's a true number one receiver, even as a rookie. Um, and so that's going to be huge for Kyler Murray because as I say, he's currently playing and currently saving his job from his play on the field. And in New England, uh, my Patriots, it's over. It's over. Look, I fought, and I still, my heart of hearts want Belichick to come back this offseason, but if they promoted Gerard Mayo and let Belichick out the side door, I wouldn't even be bad. Um, the New England Patriots is something that has not been done since like 1938. Which was allow a team, which was allow less than ten points in three consecutive games and lose all three games. Uh, the offense is a disaster. Uh, Mac Jones is awful. Bailey Zapp is worse. Um, these guys are just not very quarterbacks at all in the slightest. Uh, and I think it's making Bill O'Brien look horrible. He like he's in over his head, but he's got no quarterbacks. He's really got no personnel. With Bill O'Brien, look like he's in over his head, even though I know he's not. Um, he's an absolutely disastrous 
in New England. Um, they need to get ready. For, they are already getting ready for the offseason. If I was them, I'd do that. I would do my best to have Carolina win a couple of games and get them the number one overall pick. Uh, so a lot of great Popovich got to win Benyama. Bill Belichick can get Caleb Williams. Um, it is just a mess in New England. All right, some quick hitting news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was reported to come back right around Christmas Eve. He started practicing. However, his return is officially unlikely. Uh, the Jets' playoff chances apparently is a big factor. Although I believe he has said that when lose or draw in terms of close to the playoffs, that he wants to get on the field uh, pretty much to prove he could. But he wants to get on the field. However, his return to play is officially unlikely. Uh, Eric Bieniemy has reportedly got garnered interest from the Chicago Bears about taking over their head coach coaching position. Um, the Bears currently still have their coach, but they uh, interviewed uh, Bieniemy before hiring their new coach, their coach they have currently. Now they're looking to look into Eric Bieniemy again, as he has been officially coordinating, calling his own plays in Washington. Tim Boyle, Tom Brady's best, not Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers' best friend, uh, the pick intercession turnover machine himself, has been waived by the New York Jets following two games of starting. And other Jets-related quarterback news, Zach Wilson's officially the starter against the Texans. Uh, reportedly, he went and asked for the ball. Uh, and Robert Sala granted that wish, and Zach Wilson is going to be uh, the starter for the New York Jets. And last but not least, Ramondre Stevenson, the New England Patriots, has a high ankle sprain and is expected to miss several weeks due to that high ankle sprain. So an offense that was already pretty putrid, one of the bright spots gets taken out with a high ankle sprain. Now up next, we're going to look into NFL Week 14. Now we're going to do some quick hits on NFL Week 14. And, of course, if it is in Jack's pack, which we haven't done in a couple of weeks, I will not pick it. I won't pick it now. I'll pick it in Jack's pack. It was NFL Week 14, Patriots at the Steelers, Thursday night football. Um, Unless you're a fan of these two teams, I wouldn't watch it. Uh, It's kind of going to be a snooze fest. I'll never tell you not watch football. I wouldn't be excited for this game. Um, it's kind of going to be a snooze fest. The Patriots' offense is um, something to be desired. And the Steelers' offense, same. Uh, the Steelers have a great defense. The Patriots' defense has been on fire the past month. Yeah, it's not going to be the world's best offensive game. If you're in the defensive scheme, if you're in the defensive hitting, uh, if you're into punts and punt return and special teams, you're kind of game. If you're looking for an aerial assault. Maybe not the game for you. I'd watch it, but maybe not the game for you. Um, it's going to be between two legendary coaches. Of course, Bill Belichick and um, Mike Tomlin have had epic wars in the playoffs and the regular season, especially when both their teams are really good. 
Um, you know, you're talking Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell versus, you know, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Wes Welker. Um, you know, you're talking some epic Amendola gets involved in there. Like, you're talking some epic battles between these two. Um, legendary Hall of Fame first ballot coaches. You know, both of them are actually, despite their record differences, doing amazing coaching jobs. Uh, Belichick's got this defense rolling, which means the culture is right. Because um, it's hard to get a really good defense to play really good all the time when the offense is horrible. And they're rolling on defense, which means the culture is right. Um, and, of course, Mike Tomlin, what he's doing right now is a minor miracle uh, in Pittsburgh. They have no reason having the record that they have. It's purely Coach Tomlin. Um, and so, absolute kudos to those two gentlemen. And, of course, again, we'll pick the game in Jack's pack. But the game I will pick now, it is not in Jack's pack. Jags at Browns. Um, this is a game that depends on the injuries. I think. It's a hard thing. I think. Think Jacksonville can win the game without Trevor Lawrence? Because I think 85% of Trevor Lawrence is better than over the back of it, which I don't even know who that is. Um, however, if there's a situation when Lawrence can't move and there's somebody named Miles Garrett peeling off the edge, it can get a little dicey, right? And so I think the Jacksonville Jaguars win this game either way. Um, and that's just because I don't believe in the Cleveland Browns offensively. Jacksonville's a pretty good defense as well. I just don't believe in the Cleveland Browns offensively. Um, Joe Flacco, Dorian Johnson Robson, it doesn't matter. I just don't believe in them a lot offensively. And so, therefore, I think Jacksonville can squeak out enough points, um, even with a backup, although it'll be a lot tighter with the backup, even with the backup, I believe they can squeeze out enough points and they can eke out enough points to win a game regardless if Trevor Lawrence is there. Um, not what I, you know, what I, so I'm not betting on it. Um, it's too hard to bet on the game right now. You don't know what Trevor Lawrence is going to be. He could be either in, in uniform, wearing number 16, or in a headset, in a hoodie. Um, it's just too hard to kind of pick the game if you're betting it. Uh, if you're just, you know, picking around with your friends, I would go with... Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, except regardless. Now, I confirm Trevor Lawrence out may sway my opinion. It's one of those, like, picking it caveat-like. Uh, confirm Trevor Lawrence, especially Trevor Lawrence being confirmed out, let's say, tomorrow. Um, according to Wednesday night, so let's say by Thursday, he's confirmed out. Or Friday, he's confirmed out. And Cleveland has two days to prepare for the actual backup. It's not about splitting preparation. Um, that may sway my opinion to Cleveland. But as of right now, I would pick Jacksonville on a close one, uh, 23-20. Bills at Chiefs, another game that's not in my Jacks pack, so we will pick it right now. Um, I got the Chiefs here. Good teams don't like to get embarrassed. Great teams hate being embarrassed. The Chiefs were embarrassed on Sunday night. Um, I mean, everything about it was embarrassing. The offense was a joke. The defense couldn't go out the field they needed to. Um, the special teams unit was in. Uh, coaching, it looked like Matt LaFleur was cooking circles around Andy Reid and his staff. Like, that was embarrassing to the Chiefs. Uh, they have Super Bowl aspirations, dynastic dreams, and they lost to the Packers, who I don't believe making the playoffs. Uh, again, that's an embarrassing loss. Good teams do not get embarrassed and lose the next week. Uh, the Super Bowl contenders definitely do not do that. Do not get embarrassed and lose the next week. 
Buffalo Bills, on the other hand, kind of run hot. Joe Brady's come in. Uh, somehow he's finagling the interceptions out of Josh Allen. Um, or at least uh, the crushing ones. Um, and their offense looking good. Their defense is getting a little bit of a swag back. Um, the weather's starting to turn. With Buffalo used to play a little better in the cold weather. They have a different kind of cold in Buffalo. Uh, so going to Arch or Orchard Park, uh, winds swirling and all this other stuff, it's going to be hard for anybody to go in there and beat them right now. Uh, but unfortunately for the Bills, they're going in the Arrowhead, pissed off Arrowhead, an embarrassed Arrowhead. Um, so I've got the Chiefs winning this game 27-23. Broncos at Chargers. A game that is in my Jacks pack, so it will not be picked. Um... This is a game, this is the kind of game where I say when Sean Payton took the AFC West job, your division's a B-word. Um, and the Chargers suck, record-wise. The Broncos started off 1-3. And, and if I had to name, if I said, okay, outside of the top six records, you know what I'm saying, take the, take the top six records out. Um, you know, that's that. Take out like your Niners, your Eagles, your Cowboys, uh, your Chiefs. Uh, you know, start naming teams you don't want to play. By the time you get to team two or three, either the Broncos or the Chargers come up. Um, or take Baltimore out. But you get to like, yeah, I don't want Miami out. You get to like, I don't want to play Houston. Okay. I don't want to play the Rams. All right. After that, you start getting into your Broncos and your Chargers. The Broncos won five of their last say, uh, eight. The Chargers have one of the more talented roster in the league. Their head coach just sucks. And they just doesn't come together. And I think they're one. I think they're the Black Cat franchise of the NFL. I remember, they were one point in one year, they were first in offense, first in defense, and missed the playoffs. Like, strange things happens to the Chargers as a franchise. Um, and so, these are two teams that no one else would want to play. They're playing each other, and they're in the same division. They're in the AFC West. So I say the AFC West job is a pain in the butt. Every two, three years, the Raiders have a really good team. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Chargers are really good. Is what I was kind of saying, like, that might not be the world's best job for Sean Payton. Well, he's got a better record than the Chargers and the Raiders right now. So, hey, joke's on me. He knew what he was doing. But it's a game between two good quarterbacks, one good off- offensive head coach, defensive head coach, um, talent on both sides, uh, just kind of untapped into an unachieved talent. Uh, on both sides, in their current uniform. Now, of course, Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. But in their, you know, in their current uniforms, it's a lot of unrealized potential. And so I think this is going to be an absolute barn burner. Uh, but we'll talk about them a little bit more in the Jacks pack. And, of course, the game of the week, the game everybody should be watching. Don't care if you're a fan of football. It's Eagles at Cowboys. Um, you know, I spoke about a few minutes ago. Good teams don't like to be embarrassed. Championship teams hate to be embarrassed. The Eagles got embarrassed by the Niners. It was so bad that Stephen A. Smith delegitimized the Eagles winning the NFC title last year. It was so bad, people wondered 
if it was some kind of like joke, like if it was like a rigged situation, where it was like the Niners like weren't supposed to win and blow out the Eagles, like it was so bad, people began to question if people came in the game injured and no one said anything. Like it was awful, the level of just difference between the Niners and the Eagles. Um, so they got embarrassed. We'll see how they bounce back. And then, of course, the Cowboys are riding high. They're blowing people out. They're scoring points all over the place. Um, they have little to no, um, little to no upsetness. Uh, everything's going pretty well in Frisco Park. I mean, they are just, I mean, it's, 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 it's gumballs and gumdrops and sugar plums. Like, the Cowboys are riding well. They had a big win against the Seahawks. Um, they, I thought the Seahawks game, they've been blowing people out. They're 9-3. And they're, they're just sitting there like, man, we're riding nine. The last team to beat the Cowboys was the Eagles. And, I, and granted, it was in Philly. It was at the link. But they beat a 28-23. The last team to beat the Cowboys about a little, little month ago was the Eagles at 28-23 in the link. And this is a very profound score because I think it's going to be 30 to 24 uh, Cowboys this time around. The Philly, uh, Philadelphia Eagles secondary has some weak links. Shaq Leonard is not going to be playing. Um, or if he's playing, he's in packages. And so he's not really a big addition. I have to like factor into it. Um, it's going to be a very close game, very physical game. Um, stay away from it in the point spread. I would take the Cowboys and money line. Um, although if one side, if the Eagles side is juiced, then take the Eagles there as far as a bet. But I got the Cowboys here winning 30 to 24. But up next, I am shifting to Jack's Pack. Our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. segment jacks pack um up and down year for us this year we're a little under 500 uh, i forgot my exact record i didn't write it down uh, so we're a little under 500 this year we're up and down uh, but we're gonna bounce back you know we're gonna sprint from here on to the playoffs whatever the record is gonna get rid of it so we're gonna sprint on from here into the playoffs we're gonna keep up with it um like I said, some stuff got lost in the move I hate moving, but some stuff got lost in the move. Uh, so now we're going to um, get our record back right. We're going to keep track of our record from here on out. Um, you know, this kind of stuff we're going to get into. Uh, Jack's pack. There's that fresh new record, fresh new everything. Mid-season, I don't care. It's my show. I do what I want. And so, therefore, we're going to start off with a fresh new Jack's pack uh, record. But we're going to jump right into it. So we discussed this game already. It's Thursday night football. Uh, Pats at Steelers. Steelers minus six. Take the Steelers. Look, the Patriots offense. I'm a Patriots fan. The Patriots offense is horrible. It's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen the 0-17 Lions. 
Like, I'm old enough for the OS 17 Lions. I'm old enough for whatever the hell Carolina was last year. I'm old enough for whatever the hell Carolina is this year. The Patriots offense is one of the oldest, worst, sorry, not the oldest, one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's terrible. It, like, it's just the receivers don't separate. Mac Jones is a disgrace. Um, Bill O'Brien's trying. It just ain't working. Uh, I don't think Joe Judge should be in the building. Um, he's not in the building, but I was just saying that Joe Judge. Who cares? Um, and it's just like, it's awful. Like, there's a legitimate chance the Steelers win this game 10 to 3, and they'd cover the 6. Like, that's how bad it is right now in New England. Um, I don't see New England scoring double digits. And so, say New England gets 9. The Steelers can't get 16 and win the cover and cover the spread. Or get 15 and cover the spread. I'll tie it. Let's go with the Steelers here. Minus six. Uh, it's just it's just one of those sides where it's just too, too not obvious, but pretty obvious if you watch either team play. Which side is a better side here? Steelers minus six. Texans minus five and a half at the Jets. Take the Texans. Zach Wilson's back. Yay, if you're betting on the Texans. Um... The Jets' offense is slightly above the Patriots' offense. It's a little bit more disgraceful because there's legitimate talent on the Jets. They're just bad. Um, and so, Zach Wilson's back. Reportedly, he asked for the ball after the report came out saying he was ducking the ball. Whatever. But I said he was asked for the ball. He wants back in. And so, Robert Sala granted his wish, and he's back in. Um, good for him. Um, but... Zach Wilson is back, like I said, um, which means great things for the Texans. Derek Stingley has four interceptions in his last three games. Um, you've got Will Anderson balling right now. You know, you've got a lot of great positive things. They mean short fields for CJ Stroud. That means he just first game, I believe, in New York. That means CJ Stroud's going to score 24 points. I don't see the Jets getting 16 points. Brees Hall, I need a couple touchdowns for fantasy purposes. But regardless, I have the Texans here covering the five and a half. Rams plus seven at the Ravens take the Rams. This is a sneaky one. This is one that if it's six and a half, I think the Ravens. Um, I just think that this game is going to be a little closer than the experts think. I think the Ravens ultimately win the game. But the Ravens offensively has been kind of eh. Uh, Lamar Jackson specifically hasn't really been accounting for touchdowns all that much lately. Picked it up over the last couple of contests. But there was a stretch there. He was struggling. The Rams have a legitimate inside stopper with Aaron Donald. Where you can stop the Ravens and make and make them bounce. Now, they ultimately want to get on the outside anyway. OBJ, Lamar Jackson, etc. Uh, Zay Flowers. They want to get on the outside anyway. But if I don't have to scheme you to the outside... That makes it a little bit different. And Aaron Donald existing the way and playing the way he's playing and not having to scheme uh, inside presence and bounce it automatically, I think that lends well to the, uh, to the Rams. Matthew Stafford's playing a little bit better. Now, people have gone into uh, M&T Bank State in Baltimore and got destroyed as the Lions but, and the Seahawks. I just think that the Rams, you know, it is a cross-country trip. The Rams lose the game. They lose it close. They lose it 30-24. to 24. Uh, The Ravens defense have been hard-hitting. They're knocking out of games. 
they're about as legally the 2000s Ravens they can be. Uh, but I just think the Rams there coming in. Simon Bay gets real clever. Um, they get a couple of cheap touchdowns. Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup's a hard dude with a guard for anybody. Kyron Williams is doing really well running the ball. The Ravens win the game, but it's closer than the experts think, 30 to 24. Broncos. Plus three at the Chargers, and I totally, I no, I didn't pick this guy. Broncos plus three at the Chargers. Take the Broncos here. Um, I think the Broncos win this game outright. The Broncos right now are put together better. Brandon Staley is Nathaniel Hackett 2.0. Slightly better coach, which isn't saying much because of Nathaniel Hackett, but I think Brandon Staley is Nathaniel Hackett 2.0 because of which the Broncos are putting together an actual program there. To year one of Sean Payton, they look like a football team. They didn't just bail at the trade deadline. I thought they were. Um, they look like a football team. And because of which, I think they're going to go in there and beat the Chargers. It's going to be 50-50 home field anyway. So it's not really a home field advantage. It's not a big travel. Denver to L.A. is an hour and a half flight, maybe two. Uh, no, it might be an hour. For hour anyway, from hour, hour and a half flight, private jet, you know what I'm saying, 75-minute flight. No real travel at all. You're not having a time zone switch. You're going into a friendly-ish environment. Like, I think the Broncos are just further along in their program than the Chargers, which is saying so because Staley's been there for years. I think the Broncos are a little further along in their program. Uh, they stuck beside Ben shows up, and I wanted them fired for that horrible 70-point situation against Miami. Um, and they bounced back, and they look like a much better football team. So uh, I'm going to get the Broncos the edge here. Uh, close, closer, close, uh, 30 to 27. And then last but certainly not least, Titans at Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins minus 13, take the Dolphins. Not going to spend a lot of time here. I don't see the Titans going 20. And I don't see the Dolphins going less than 30. So because of that, you kind of meet in the middle. I would have loved this number. If you could tease this number, if you could tease maybe this down to 11, 11 and a half, and tease, uh, add those points to the Broncos, but that game gets teased down to one and a half, that might be a good teaser. Uh, or you tease the Dolphins maybe down to 11 and a half and you give those points to the Steelers, maybe they're at seven and a half now. <coughs> Excuse me. That also be a pretty good teaser as well. Uh, but again, I'm comfortable at minus 13 here. It's only two touchdowns. This game got 37-17 written all over it. Derrick Henry's beat up. Not in concussion protocol, but he's beat up. Um, not enough team speed on the on Titans in the back end, which that's the same for everybody. So this got 37-17 written all over it. Take the Dolphins. So to recap, we have Steelers minus six over the Patriots. Texas minus five and a half over the Jets. Rams plus seven over the Ravens. Broncos plus three over the Chargers. Dolphins minus 13 over the Titans. But up next, we have Jack's hot take, which is about the transfer portal being a coaching carousel. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to get into Jack's hot take, which is going to be about the transfer portal, 
basically being in the coaching carousel. Um, and, you know, you got a lot of slander from God I see in the media, especially on social media. These kids get hit hard when they transfer, especially starters or popular-ish players, high recruits that may have underperformed. Anybody with a name that carries in the team, in the team, in the team, gets slandered for going into the portal. Um, but that's the coaching carousel. You know, like, these kids are looking for an opportunity. Texas A&M, man, there's a coaching change that happens. The kids jump in the transfer portal. It's just the way it goes. Because now they're looking for opportunities. You know, maybe there's a coach they really connected with. Um, you know, maybe there's, like, an OC at one school that you connected with. You decided to go with this coach. That coach gets fired or leaves. So now you jump in the portal and you go to another coach in a new spot or the same spot, whatever. But Or you go home. LSU, Brad Kelly has made it a big thing where he wants to get kids to come home. Jordan Gilbert's a safety out of Texas A&M. Coached against that kid. He's legit. Um, I wanted him at LSU. He's crystal balled now to come to LSU. And then there's a returner guy. I can't think of his name. Um, but he's looking at LSU as well from Louisiana. Like, all right, but these kids go in the portal and they're looking for either to go home. They're looking for an opportunity. They're looking to get out of the situation they're in. Whatever. Or, with these days in NIL, looking for more money. Looking to transfer. There's like 10 starting quarterbacks in the portal. And I'm not saying quarterbacks that could start. I'm saying starting quarterbacks for a reason. Cam Ward started at Washington State. DJ Uyagalele started at Oregon State. Kyle McCoy started at Ohio State. Um, that's the guy that got the top of my head. All these guys started. They're all in the portal. It's going to cost you a million, million and a half dollars for any of them. Like, it's just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Dante Moore from UCLA. Like, he's going to probably, he's going to live in Michigan. He's going to probably end up costing Michigan $2 million a year to get him. DJ Uyagalele, I can see it in Miami. He's going to cost eight, eight hundred seventy-five grand, a million dollars in Miami to get him in Miami. Like, um, Matt Rule, I think, was talking about it. He was saying a quick quarterback in the portal costs you a million dollars, two million dollars now. Um, that's just it is what it is. Um, now you even got Vanderbilt jumping in the NIL saying they're gonna use their collective to get players. Players cost money. Guess what? That's been coaches forever. Except coaches don't have a coaches carousel. They don't have a coaching portal. They have this fancy thing called the coaching carousel that they spin around and change jobs, etc. And they have agents. These agents negotiate their leave and their arrival all behind the scenes. The guy with resigns, Lincoln Riley, in the middle of the night, he's introduced to the new school the next day. Deion Sanders was flying back and forth between Jackson, Mississippi and Boulder, Colorado. He was in, he wore Jackson State stuff, that's right, title game. On the plane with him and his son, changed into Colorado gear. Got off the plane in Colorado gear, walk around, saw the stadium, saw the facilities, saw the locker room, etc. Got back on the plane, coached Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl, get off the plane, again leaves Jackson again, says bye to the team, leaves Jackson again, puts on Colorado stuff, and gets introduced to Colorado head coach the next day. That's the transfer portal. That's where these kids are entering the portal, or reportedly going to enter the portal the day after bowl games. Or the day after the conference championship game, the day after the last regular season game. They've been negotiating their exit, probably with a staffer at a different team, for weeks. And all these top players that like leave, that start somewhere two years, and then they go into the portal and they list it as do not contact, they know where they're going. 
like Haley Van Lift. She had do not contact in her portal thing when she left Louisville. Everybody in that grandma knew she was going to LSU. There's a top corner, I think it's from Clemson, has do not contact in his thing. Everyone, like, he knows where he's going. Those quarterbacks, they're fine being contacted. They're negotiating their money. That kid knows exactly where he's going, for what money, and what school. Like, if the coach and carousel does the same thing, Dion was negotiating his contract with Colorado, flying back and forth from Jackson to Boulder, and he was introduced knowing what his contract was going to be. The coaching carousel and the transfer portal is the exact same thing. But somehow, again, we have villainized the people making less money over the people making more money. It's no different in the NFL, on professional sports, where we villainize our players, we villainize the millionaires for the sake of the billionaires, and now we're villainizing the kids who, some of them, this is their time to earn money playing sports. DJ Uyagalele is not an NFL quarterback. Not legitimately, not for years. He's going to make most of his money playing sports in college. Kyle McCord doesn't look like an NFL quarterback right now. He's going to make most of his money playing college sports. Cam, insert Cam Ward here. Like, he's going to make most of that money playing college sports. So now we're going to victimize the player, trying to earn all he can. And we're going to say, man, you left us, you underperformed, you did this, you gave all this money, you were bad. The NFL does it every year. The NBA does it every year. The NHL, the MLB, whatever. These establishments have these same exact players. But again, we've victimized the people making less for the sake of people making more. It's insane logic. I've never understood it, but that's the way it is. Um, and so the, the transfer portal is no different than the coaching carousel. However you feel about the transfer portal, you should feel the way about coaches changes. Because guess what? vast majority of these transfers are coming because the coach left. Texas A&M is going to lose half the recruiting class and probably a third of their roster minimum because take Jimbo Fisher got fired. But what about the coach that leaves for a different job? Tulane's in trouble. Willie Fritz is now at Houston. Half of their recruiting class and a third of their roster is going to leave because they were, they were A, may probably getting brought from Tulane to Houston with Willie Fritz. Which, if you're a kid, unless you're, like, unless you're from New Orleans and dream of going to Tulane, that's an upgrade. I've been to both campuses. It's an upgrade. The University of Houston facility, the indoor facility, is a city block. Like, it's an upgrade. The stadium is beautiful. The weather is much better. Like, you're not in danger of, like, a hurricane smacking. <coughs> Excuse me. You're not in danger of a hurricane smacking you in the face every year. Like, it's a better situation in Houston. This is what it is. And NIL's, and NIL's probably better in Houston, too. Like, just life, right? And so, it's just the way it goes. You should not feel, you should not slander the kid. I don't call them kid, they're not that much younger than me. But you shouldn't slander the player, the athlete, for trying to make all he can in NIL, for trying to transfer to a better spot for him, and applaud the coach for moving up in the ranks. It's the exact same thing. But that is all I have for you guys today. A wonderful show. So glad to be back with you guys. Um, as I shout out my fans all over the world. Shout out to you guys, especially as man interacting on my social media. Keep hitting that follow button, man. I love it. Um, and it's big. Uh, it's helping other people find out about me as well. Find out about our Justin Time Sports family. Uh, so keep growing the family. Keep growing, telling your friends, etc. Uh, but this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.